This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Our uh, special guest today is author extraordinaire uh, Spencer Quinn. Uh, you know him from the uh, Chet and Bernie Mystery Series. He's a New York Times uh, bestselling, number one New York Times bestselling author. Also uh, part of the uh, Bowser and Birdie series for the uh, middle grade readers. So uh, uh, definitely an author extraordinaire. We're going to talk to him about his latest book, Heart of Barkness, and pick his brain a little bit without giving away all the good secrets. And uh, while we get him on board, we'll also uh, talk a little bit about writing in general, how he styles his craft, and uh, see if he's one of those that uh, ponders away at 10,000 words every day, do or die, or uh, like me, gets it done about two seconds before it's due. So in any case, it's going to be fun. It's always great to have him on. So everybody hang tight. We'll come back with uh, author Spencer Quinn right after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining us now is number one New York Times bestselling author, Spencer Quinn. Spencer, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tim. Oh, really it's always, appreciate it. Yeah, always a pleasure, always a pleasure. It's been a little while since we we chatted, but I'm excited, and I'm excited about the latest book, Heart of Barkness. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the book and the uh, continuation, you know, the Chet and Bernie mystery series and, uh, you know, any new characters that are jumping out as this time around. Well, when we left off with Sense and Sensibility, which was the last of the Chet and Bernie books, I left it with Bernie kind of in a hospital in a very bad situation. And I thought, well, you know, we'll end with a little cliffhanger here and people will be interested. But then... I got an idea for a book that had nothing to do with Chattenbury. It was called The Right Side. It's about a, a, a badly wounded female vet coming home from Afghanistan. And while there's a dog in it, it's not a dog-narrated story, and it's not particularly light. So uh, several years passed after Sense and Sensibility, and I kept getting these emails in all caps. Did you let something happen to Bernie? Is Bernie dead? <laughs> Is this the end of the series? Bernie is the human, and the human detective, and Chet is the dog who tells the story. So he's not a talking dog. He's a narrating dog. So when I started to write Heart of Barkness, it was under this pressure that I was feeling from, I don't want to say a mob, but from interested readers who, who wanted to see what had happened. So I had an idea. I'm very interested in country music, and I had an idea to write a book about a, a country musician from long ago, who had actually never even been big. She, her name's Lottie Pilgrim, and she had written one great song called How You Hung the Moon that George Jones and Loretta Lynn had sung. But in the start of this book, Heart of Barkness, Chet and Bernie find her singing in a little dive out in the desert with about 10 people, and 
and Bernie is stunned because his parents had danced to that famous song, and now here's this, you know, quite old woman by now, in this crummy bar with ten people, and and then a little episode happens where so Bernie, well, he's a very generous guy, even though he doesn't have much to be generous with, and the tip jar is empty, and he he puts a hundred dollars in it, and someone steals the hundred dollars out of the tip jar during the performance, and Bernie and Chet chase him down, and. And this leads into get them getting involved in Lottie's life. And there's a whole story that goes way, way back to her early life on the Mexican border and the start of her career and things that went wrong that she didn't even realize that went wrong and end in, in a kind of violence. So that's the, the basic story of it. And the book ended up as a kind of murder ballad of its own, even though I would say the tone is essentially comedic. Yeah, well, it's very interesting. You know, so let's tackle a couple things here. So your your fan club, the masses, were hounding you to find out what's going on. Were the uh, were your editors and everything? Uh, were they involved? As far as were they hounding you? <laughs> hounding, uh, obviously, play on terms there. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I get these all the time, Tim. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very used to dealing with it. Believe yeah, me. yeah. I just now caught. I've been doing the show for years, and now I caught myself doing it. So there you go. <laughs> but were they also uh, anxious? to find out what the latest is and were they getting the emails well, and stuff on that? I think they were very, people have been very patient with me. Let's, um, you know, let's put it that way. So, but I myself had not intended to leave Chet and Bernie. I, I love writing in the voice of Chet. Uh, more and more of these books can be read in any order. You know, people ask me that all the time. You know, should they be read, you know, from one through, well, Heart of Barkness is number nine. Well, Chet is the narrator of the books, and he would never ask that question, right? He, he's a dog. They can be read in any order. But certain developments have taken place in the series, and certain, I don't know, little almost tokens have been laid down that I can develop later on. So that, that kind of thing has been very interesting to me, that even though these are narrated by the dog, there's some real... I don't want to say serious, but real mystery writing going on here. These are not cozies. There are dark things in them. They're real mysteries. They're not particularly simple to solve. And I think that the interesting thing about Chet is that although dark things happen to him, he snaps back to his reset position very quickly. And his reset position is one of enjoyment in life. And I've had so many readers contact me saying, you know, reading your books has helped me through tough times. This is something that I never expected, never sought to do. It's very humbling to hear. And I, so I began to think about it. And I think it, it really is in that quality of chess that he snaps back from, he feels it just as deeply as anybody, but he snaps back to this optimistic, engaged personality of his very quickly. And I've, this is bizarre, but I, I've actually found myself, and I'm not naturally like that, by the way, but I found myself kind of imitating him in this, which is weird because he's a figment of my own imagination. Why, why did I have to channel, you know, through inventing this character and writing all these books to get there? Nevertheless, it's a fact. 
Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, as an author, you can uh, join in and, and say, I'm right on this or not. But I think that it does sort of allow you to develop not only your creative juices and the in the subconscious mind of your personality and character that you, you want to get out there. And through these characters and through the book, you can get, you know, whether you realized it at first or not, you can now get that part of your personality out there or develop that part of your personality that you felt, hey, you know, that's something that's uh, really cool. I never knew I, that was hidden underneath all this. Oh, I think you make a very, very good point, and I don't disagree one little bit, but I will say this, that I don't, the purpose of my work is not to explore my own little mind. It's <laughs> to tell entertaining stories, but I think in the doing of that, I have found out exactly what you're talking about. I'm little, probably understood my self a little better, but I'm not one of those people or artists who, you know, like to, who's inward looking. I much prefer to see these things. Like, let's say I, I write, you know, for, you know, a whole day and then I, I go over what I've written and, and then I see, oh, wow, that surprises me. And, and here I know where this probably came from in my life, but I, I'm not at the controls when it's happening. I see it after. There you go. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, yeah, it's always good to be surprised, you know, when someone says that, you know, your story's touched you or it uncovered something or, hey, I experienced that. And, yeah, as a writer, you'd like to think, yeah, that, I meant to do that. But, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah, but, um, well, of course, and now we're in the world of dogs, right? So what are there, 70, 80 million dogs in this country? So there are a lot of people who are interested in what the voice of a, a non-talking dog would sound like. In other words, what's going on in the mind of this canine dropout, you know, Chet, while they do these cases. And I've, I mean, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed that, but some of the things I had to, that I did kind of unconsciously was, you know, well, he's a dog, so his sense of sight while good, that's not his main entry point into the world. I mean, as, as we all know, the sense of smell and hearing in dogs is superior. And, and old dogs who kind of lose their sight, if you've ever had one like that, I mean, they can still function pretty well. So this, these are mysteries that are going to be related to the reader often in terms of the smell of things and the, and the sound of them. So there are times when Chet and the reader are ahead of Bernie in understanding, you know, where things are going. Because Chet could, for example, can sense when someone's nervous in a way that can, he can smell when someone's nervous in a way that, you know, Bernie can't. Absolutely. And you talked about the character, the country superstar, the country queen, who's now uh, in the middle of nowhere singing for a you know, crowd of uh, two, we'll say. Now, is this a real-life character, or is it someone you based it off of? I didn't base it on any one person. But, you know, the country music business is full of stories like this, you know, one hit wonders and, and people who live very hard down south. And, you know, who I think was Harlan Howard who said, you know, country music is three chords and the truth. And, and that kind of really basic value of it is something that really appeals to me. I listen to a lot of country music. But one of the things that I loved doing in the book was I wrote little snatches of songs, you know, that she was singing, just the lyrics. And I don't want to do a spoiler kind of thing, but toward the end of the book, Lottie Pilgrim, the singer, makes up a song for Chet. It's called Song for Chet. And so I wrote the lyrics. It comes actually on the last page of the book. And a friend of mine with connections, I was telling him about it, with connections in the music business, said, hey, do you want that to be a real song? <laughs> 
And I said, well, yeah, is that possible? So believe it or not, you can go to YouTube and it was actually just coming now. You can look for a song for Chet and, and the lyrics I wrote have been set to music. There are some really excellent musicians and a singer doing the song for Chet and fans of the series sent in video clips of their dogs and playing with their dogs. And there's a cat in it too. It's all been edited into this video that goes along with the song, song for Chet. So that was a very rewarding thing, you know, that comes out of it. And I ended up writing this book with a country music character and that I was so immersed in it. I ended up writing the lyrics of a, of a real song myself, but I going into the book, I had no idea that that was going to happen. Yeah. I love how that develops. Well, we'll definitely check that out. We'll definitely have that posted. All the listeners take a listen at that. Of course, our producer, Mark Winter is a, uh, a musician extraordinaire and has a strong background, obviously in, in music and performing and uh, has some hits out there as well. Me. Oh, I, that's great. I, yeah. Me, I've dabbled in a, a little bit. And of course the country theme, that was my parents life you know when you started rattling off uh, all the legends names like loretta lynn and conway twitty and uh, the uh-huh. likes uh, that was definitely up my uh, my parents alley and uh, something i grew up with so I, I think it'll fit fit nicely and i'll be listening that's for sure oh great that's great all right well, we're gonna take a quick commercial break uh, we'll come back after this um these messages talk a little bit more with uh, spencer quinn and uh, his latest book heart of barkness and also want to talk to him a little bit about writing in general and pick his brain uh, from one of the masters so everybody hang tight we'll come back here shortly you're listening to animal rights on pet life radio sit stay we'll be right back after a short pause well four to be exact Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Continue our conversation with number one New York Times bestselling author Spencer Quinn. Uh, talked to him about his latest book, Heart of Barkness. So after you put this book together and uh, you, you got it out there, obviously we talked about some of the new twists you hadn't expected, some of the things that you know the fans were mentioning that uh, how important the uh, series and, and this book as being part of it's going to be uh, you know a big part of their lives. And now you're going to be a country music legend out there, so <laughs> that's going to be great. When people pick up this book what do you hope they uh, gain from it what do you think that what's your goal behind it is there some new twist or tidbit that they may say huh i that wasn't part of the previous uh, series and i'm excited about that well that's a great question my sole purpose in writing them is to entertain the reader but to me that doesn't mean a sort of plot only experience for me like when i read i want to have depth of character 
and true emotion and, yes, a lot of surprises, but also I want to have a very strong sense of the place it's happening in. In other words, a complete pretend life that's on the page. So that's the first thing I want. I want them to feel that it all feels true and that they don't want to stop reading. But in terms of something new, I think in the character of Lottie Pilgrim, she's an artist type of person. And I wanted to, or I ended up, I think, showing a little bit how this sort of artist type person can be both separated from life in a way that's good and bad, and in a way that they can be separated from life in a way that makes them kind of easy to be taken advantage of by other people, by predatory people. And Lottie Pilgrim, in her musical career, has come up against more than one predatory type. Absolutely. And, and I know a, a musician's career, even an author's career sometimes, hopefully we our crowds continue to grow and grow, but sometimes uh, it diversifies a little bit, or, or we even as, as writers go into a different direction that we now have to start to build a, a bigger or a different type of fan base. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, I myself would get bored if I didn't, you know, wasn't trying new things. There's a horse named Mingo in Heart of Barkness, and, and Chet is forced to somehow deal with this horse named Mingo as well. And he's always regarded horses as kind of prima donnas, you know, and wants to stay away from them. But in, in this book, in Heart of Barkness, you know, in order to solve the case, Chet has to form some sort of relationship with Mingo. Fantastic. So we've got some new characters, some new twists. It's uh, definitely going to continue on. We finally know what happens uh, to Bernie, which is good. <laughs> yes, well, I'm not... Okay, so the book, I'm not going to give away the... No, beginning, no, but, no, no, but we, we know that there's something... It hasn't fallen off the face of the earth. <laughs> he hasn't fallen off the face of the earth. And I think there's a sort of emotionally moving scene, uh, at least I hope, when they get back together for the first time. Absolutely. All right. So everybody uh, pick up a copy of Heart of Barkness. Uh, definitely. It's uh, always entertaining, always interesting. Uh, I love the fact that the series continues on. And, uh, and Bernie, well, we won't say if he lives or not, dies, but at least we know what's going to go on. We've got to buy the book to find that out. <laughs> Spencer, let me shift gears a little bit because I, I talked a little bit, uh, teased a little bit earlier about your writing, writing styles. I mean, obviously, you've had two, at least two, successful series, you know, with the uh, Chet and Bernie mystery series, and then, of course, the uh, Bowser and Birdie series, and you've diverged off into other things at, at times as well, as you mentioned. Tell us a little bit about writing in general. I mean, when you first started compared to where you're at now, are you more regimen or less regimen compared to uh, the early years? Uh, I'm assuming it just comes so easy nowadays. You just, you know, write a book in a, a month and you're done. You're to- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. It ne- okay, this is something it never comes easy although during some days they're easier than others but i have to every okay in terms of regimenting if you mean by that forcing myself to sit down and do it that doesn't happen i do just sit down and do it because deep down even though it's very difficult not all the time but part of the time i love doing it and i can't imagine doing anything else i don't feel that i've really put in a proper day in my life unless i've at least written something in that day. So I have a kind of goal. I, I try to write a thousand words a day. I hardly ever do. So there you see an insight into me. You know, I set a goal that I can't, that's going to be frustrating day after day. But at least I try to add something. So I believe in advancing the story. And I mean that in two ways. One, in terms of, of the actual story on the page, make it propulsive, keep it moving. But the other thing is to work almost every day in advancing the story. So even if I only do a few hundred words, 
on a Tuesday when I sit down on Wednesday, at least I'm not where I was on Monday. I've, I've moved it ahead, and the book kind of builds through these accretions. So when I finish a chapter, I read that chapter over. And you know when you read, you know, when, little, when things are making you worried or anxious, a little bell goes off in your mind. And in normal life, you kind of ignore those things because you drive yourself crazy. Well, in this one area, I don't ignore them. I keep reading it over. I read it over. I hear a little bell. I find what the mistake is. Sometimes it's not even where the bell went off. It's a few pages earlier where the setup for the bell is wrong, and a simple change there fixes everything. So I read it over. I make sure no bells are ringing, and then that's the end of that chapter. So it's actually all been revised. So when I get to the final chapter of the book, do the same turning off the bells thing. I'm actually pretty much finished. So on Heart of Darkness, for example, I, I finished that book on a Friday and I did my sort of final revision on the weekend and I emailed it on Monday morning. And I, when I send it in, okay, there are two schools of thought among writers, I think. One is, because this is a hard task, it's a long journey. So when they get to Z, it's A to Z. When they get to Z, they think, okay, I know there are things that aren't right here but I'm tired of it. I can't do it on my own anymore. I'm going to send it into the editor, get some reaction, and then we'll chip away at it. We'll add a little here. We'll subtract here. Maybe move this chapter. Well, I don't do that. I send it in as polished as I can make it, like, so that there's just a hard sheen on top that makes it very difficult for any editor to get their chisel in and start looking at the workings underneath. So that I've been very lucky in my career that after I send the books in, you know, what we call the first draft, very few changes usually happen after that. That's amazing. So but it's a style of working. It doesn't mean it's right. Let me just, I mean, it's mine, but it doesn't make it right at all. Right, right. No, I think, but I think that's very fascinating because like you said, uh, you know, oftentimes we'll, as writers, submit something knowing that it's going to go through multiple edits, uh, whether we need that help and support to get it there or whether it's just editors in general, you know, they got, they got to pay their bills. So, you know, in your case, I mean, are they excited? They're like, ah, you know, fantastic Spencer submitted his, uh, that'll be a breeze. We can get that out quickly. Or is it more of, wow, you know, I'd really like to get in there and dig in it, but I know it's going to be so polished that eh, there's not going to be any uh, real reason to. Well, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm ju it's just a style of doing it because if I was in the editor's chair, if it was reversed, it's exactly what you just said to him. I would like to, one of the things that's happened is, of course, the editors are very overworked these days. And the way that editors from long ago, you know, had the time to, you know, nurse some of these projects along and make extensions and well the whole society and the digitation of everything has just put pressure on them and so if I were an editor and a manuscript came in that didn't need a whole lot of work and I had a whole pile of them that did I would think okay well this this is going to make my life easier so in general on earth isn't it good if we you know try to make the lives of people around us easier <laughs> well I think it's a good thing I think it's a novel thing nowadays but that's just my commentary <laughs> Okay. Yeah, okay, so maybe I'm just I'm showing that I'm an old fuddy daddy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> No, but you know, going back to what you said earlier, I love that you're you're saying that you know the uh, talking about dogs and there's seems to be there's slowly but surely more dogs 
coming into the world than there are people, and uh, which actually could mean that the world is much uh, got a much brighter future than perhaps some of us would think if the dogs ruled the world. So that's just commentary on my behalf. <laughs> no, no, but I agree. Well, if I didn't love dogs and really appreciate them and just really fascinated by them, then I couldn't, you know, have you know written this series. I mean, we've always had dogs. I have two right now, Audrey and Pearl. You know, and they're my crack researchers, actually. You know, they work for treats and and just lie around a lot in the <laughs> office here. <laughs> well, I've always found when, you know, when I'm writing, uh, you know, obviously I'm a, a big pet fan as well, but, uh, you know, I have dogs and cats and uh, you name it, the plethora of the Noah's Ark. We've got a, our share or have had our share. But that, I've always found them to be really uh, a good muse. You know, uh, you know, certain dogs I've had will, will actually go into the office and wake me up a little bit saying, oh, yeah, I got to get in there and, and do some work and they'll stay put until you know i'm done or that or they're done and they need to tell me that hey it's time for you to take a break you you've been doing this too long oh i i agree with you completely there is i mean you know i guess there been, there's a lot of science going on now about how dogs how we and do- dogs kind of evolve together to become kind of social partners so you know that there's a whole darwinian basis to some of this relationship it's not accidental and and i think that's one of the sources of the deep connection that we have between us between dogs and us that it's it goes back into well far before prehistory i mean it, it you know it's evolutionary and 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 we're enjoying the fruits of that now yeah Absolutely. So uh, definitely follow your dog's lead. We like to think they'll follow our lead, but we should follow their lead, I think, and probably have a much happier life. That's for sure. No dog ever works too hard. That's right. You got it. (laughs) Well, Spencer, where can people find out more about what's going on with you and where you're going to be? Maybe any signings or uh, anything going on? Oh, yeah. So I'm going on. Yes, there's a tour. If they go to ChetTheDog.com or Chet's Facebook page, which is Facebook Chet the Dog. The Facebook page would be the best to find the information on the tour. And things about the Song for Chet video, they're all there too. There's usually a new post of some kind every day about something dog-related. All right, sounds good. So everybody, uh, go check that out. Become a, If you're not already, become a fan of, of Chet's. And uh, you know, Chet the Dog on Facebook and then uh, ChetTheDog.com. Uh, find out what's going on. If you get an opportunity to uh, go out there and meet Spencer, definitely, definitely do. It's going to be fun. It's exciting. We are excited for you and the book, uh, Heart of Barkness. Everybody pick up a copy of that while you're there and uh, either do it in person or, or get yourself a hold of copy. Or you're definitely not going to be disappointed. Spencer, Spencer Quinn, thanks for coming on the show again. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll look forward to following you and uh, the series, and uh, we'll chat somewhere down the road. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Tim. Appreciate right. it very much. Thank you. All right. Well, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank the uh, producers and sponsors for making this show possible. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, you can email us at PetLifeRadio.com. While you're there, check out all the other wonderful shows and hosts, whole plethora of entertainment at PetLifeRadio.com. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Put it in a blog, an article, or in a book, and... Who knows? You may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.